0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Angie Nisbet, and it's my pleasure to bring you season four of Married to the Land, a podcast sharing stories of our everyday rural women, their journey from the beginning and how their path has let them become married to the land. We are heading west in today's interview to a farming business located at Clunan east of Perth. Gabrielle Savage, a mother of four and a Perth girl originally, is now a crop and livestock farmer along with her husband and four children. Sheep, silos and sunsets are all to be appreciated. So let's get into knowing a little bit more about Gabrielle and her story. Gabrielle, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy we could finally get our internet sorted and make a time. How are you and how's everything over in WA? Yeah, WA is good at the moment. We are just heading into
1: the season of farming. We're just starting to get ready for seeding, which will probably start in April. So,
0: Okay. Mm. So I'm really interested in your story. Um, We only got partway through it the other day when we had to cancel, so I'm super excited. So let's get into your life growing up, a little bit about your background and what childhood was like for you. Okay.
1: I grew up in Derby in the Kimberley of WA with my parents and my brother. We lived in town and I went to the local school in Derby and Life was pretty good for us then. I used to ride my bike to school and ride my bike around town and I went away to boarding school in year eight. And while I was away at school, mum and dad had done as a child. I had a sister born when I was in year 11. So the dynamics of our family life changed a little bit then. It wasn't long after she was born that mum and dad made the decision to probably move back to Perth. So as I was finishing school, they came back to Perth and I moved in with them from boarding school. And, yeah, we went from there. So I'd grown up the whole time in the Kimberleys and then came to Perth and moved on from there. I loved growing up in Derby and spent most of my childhood with doing all the things that my dad loved, which was obviously fishing and camping and crabbing and those things. So I look back and I think it was, it was a pretty good lifestyle that I had.
0: Yeah. And Gab, I don't know Derby very well, but what's predominantly, like what's its major sort of occupation for a lot of people around that area? When we were there, Derby had the regional hospital. So the hospital was part of it and Main Roads was
1: another significant industry. My dad worked for Main Roads, so as a surveyor. So that's where he was. And Mum mum ran a video store.
0: I'm kind of giving away my age. <laughs> for people who don't know what video stores are, they were things that we had to physically put into a VCR player. <laughs> yeah, so
1: that is giving away my age.
0: No, it's not. No, it's not. You should be so lucky because people don't know how lucky they have it. You mentioned hospitals just before and it's actually what you went into. You are a registered nurse. So tell me a little bit about uni and finishing uni and sort of what happened for you that younger years of your youth?
1: Yes, so I guess at boarding school, when you finished, everyone sort of migrated into going to uni and that's where I was sort of obviously heading to go as well. I was interested in the science side of things and eventually I found myself in nursing after um, starting a science degree and moving sideways into nursing, which was a good career move for me. It was a good place to be and I enjoyed being a nurse. Uni was a great time for me. And then I got my Bachelor of Nursing and I got a grad program at Charlie's at Sir Charles Gardiner Hospital. And I spent 18 months working there. That was, that was really interesting and I had a great time working there. But I guess I always wanted to travel. So after I would finished my grad program, I headed overseas to the UK and Europe with the two girls that I was living with. And we spent a fair bit of time over there. While I was in Scotland, I kind of realised that I wanted to come back and I needed a job. So in Scotland, at a payphone, ringing Narragin Hospital, trying to arrange a job interview so I could come back to a job, which is what I did. And I left overseas at the start of uh, 98 and I came back to Narragin Hospital to start working there.
0: Yep. And so in that time, is that where you met your husband or did you meet him when you came back to WA? And it sort of started off as a friendship first, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So while I was at uni, as I said, it was a very, very social time. There was lots of people. We met lots of people. He was at Muresk, which is Ag College in Western Australia. I met him at a function, a social function, a car rally, Muresk car rally. We were friends. And I guess when you go to boarding school, borders know borders. So your friends from boarding school know their hometown friends, so you meet people that way. And that's how I met him at the car rally. And, yeah, we were friends for a while then, but we were obviously friends for some time and he had been overseas. And when he
0: came back, we caught up at a party or something.
1: And yes, I guess that's where it
0: started. Yeah. And so were you still working at this point? Had you moved out to the farm and sort of how did that dynamic work for you both? Yeah. So I was still at
1: uni and I just was finishing. So I, as I went overseas, we were seeing each other and I went overseas for a few months. And I guess during that time, that was a decision that, had to make whether I came back or not, and I made the decision to come back. It was also the time of sending faxes to communicate. So (laughs) we'd get to the next hostel and you'd have to send a fax to communicate. I'm glad that those fax machines, eventually the notes actually faded because I would hate to read them (laughs) looking back. I was with him when I travelled overseas and made the decision to come back. He was on the farm. He knew where he wanted to be and what he was going to do. He was very passionate about ag, very passionate about his farm and his community. So I knew what I was getting myself into coming back. I was going to be with him and live in Coolin, and that's pretty much what happened. I came back and worked in, I got a job in Narrigen, which that hospital is just over an hour from the farm. So I lived in the nurse's quarters And I travelled on my days off to the farm or back to Perth, depending on what was sort of socially happening for us.
0: Yeah. And you also have a pretty funny story about how Brenda proposed. And I want to hear that again because it's pretty unique. Yeah, so we only had one house on the farm when we
1: first started seeing each other. So his mum and dad had moved into town. And so we were sort of living together on the farm. And it was the end of the day. I was at the house and he came in and he said to me, would you like to come and check the bugs in the crop with me? And I said, no, not really. And he said, yeah, I think you do. I said, no, I don't. I don't want to come and check bugs in the crop. It's cold. And and he said, no, you do. I said, righto. So we went off and we jumped on his motorbike and we were riding through the paddock and the crop was probably only, oh, I don't know, a couple of inches out of the ground. And I said, what are we looking for? What am I looking for? What bugs, what am I looking for? And he sort of told me, we had a bit of a scout around on the paddock and then we went and set up on a dam bank then he asked me to marry him then so we weren't actually looking for bugs in the crop at all (laughs) when we got home I said was were we looking for bugs in the crop and he said no not really oh my
0: goodness so yeah luckily I did go and look for bugs in the crop I guess yeah Mm -hmm. and so where was your sort of I suppose your mental capacity as far as like moving out to the property like did you have any hesitations were you worried about what life would be? out on the property for yourself? Not really I guess
1: like I said when I went away to boarding school I had friends that had grown up on farms and I would visited them not saying that you have any idea of what rural life is like mm. from just a long weekend at home but yeah a lot of my friends were from the rural area just boarding friends so it was something that Brendan loved and I guess I loved his enthusiasm for living in the country and living in Kulin so from there it was quite easy to feel welcome in coolant he really wanted it to work he made an effort we went to a lot of things in town there was a lot of people around his age and yeah we went to town i would always see people and yeah it was good it was Mm. an easy transition for me
0: yeah and also mother of four children that must have been a very busy part of your life so can you tell me about becoming a mum and about your four children
1: Yeah, so we have four. Nick is 22, Zach is 20, Carlona is 19 and then we've got a bit of a gap and we've got a younger child, Sienna, she's 13. So the three older kids are all close in age and then she arrived five years later and she still kind of rules our house a little bit, I think. (laughs) The kids love her and we all do. We really love having her. Yeah, the kids all went to school in Coolin, So I guess all the social events that school have, sporting events, That made it easy to become involved as well. Our kids all went to boarding school and that's also allowed us to reconnect with some friends. After sort of 15 years, you all have children around the same age and they're Mm. all at school together. So that's actually been really nice to reconnect with friends from years gone by.
0: Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about a part of your life, Gabrielle, that's unfortunately you had a really bad experience where you lost your sister. And if you don't mind talking about it, it was a really big moment in your life because you're also pregnant as well. So can you just share a little bit about what that part of your life was like and how that sort of impacted you as a person.
1: Yeah, so Annie was born when I was near 11, so I was 15. So I had a sister relationship with her, but I also had a relationship where I was older and I guess I was a slight carer for her. She died in a car accident, like a rural car accident at the age of 20. Yeah, and once again, I didn't think it would actually make me <laughs> sad. It's been a while, so it was 14 years ago. When she died, it was a pretty big thing because I was pregnant. I was about 12 weeks pregnant. We hadn't told anyone at the time and I look back on that now and I'm glad we hadn't. (laughs) But, yeah, so she died in a car accident. We were at mum and dad's house at the time. It was a Saturday morning and that morning played out. We'd gone somewhere with the kids and my mum and dad and then as we were leaving, dad's phone was ringing and he took a phone call. We said goodbye and we left and then dad rang me and said, the police have just contacted me and there is a notification on our mum's car, which was the car that Amory was driving. And I said to him, Do you know what that means? And he said, No, they're going to come around and see me. But I guess I already knew what that meant. So we drove back to Mum and Dad's and the police eventually came around. So when they arrived and they delivered the notification, mum and dad really fell apart at the time surprisingly (laughs) you you think it happens to other people you never think that it happens to you or your family but it did and we dealt with it and we have come to a place where we talk about her and I still think my mum and dad are affected by it quite a lot but yeah it was within a few weeks obviously we had to tell them that I was pregnant and it was a Joyous time, but it was a really hard time. So, yeah, mum and dad still talk about her and we refer to her quite often. But yeah, it was a long process watching mum and dad come back from that. Probably after she died for the next two years, I spent a lot of time in Perth just to see them, just to make sure that they were okay. It was easier for me. I think I had the kids at home every day, they had to get on a bus. So I could still get out of bed. I could still.
0: I swear to get them on the school bus, which
1: some days was hard, some days were not as hard. But, yeah, we did.
0: I think growing a baby, being a mother myself, like it just sucks so much out of you. So I cannot imagine that physical and mental load that you would have had to have dealt with without Gabrielle. And I'm I'm so sorry that that happened to you. but you know so lovely that you guys can talk about her and you know I can still see a smile on your face when you do so it's so beautiful really beautiful i want to turn back to the farm because it's where you've really spent your life and really created a home for your family and yourself and i want to know what you guys are producing on the farm and you know how involved you are with the day-to-day runnings of it i suppose you know being a mum when you're when you're in the thick of it you can't really be everywhere but You know, what's your favourite part of of being on the place and being in the ag industry?
1: Yes, so we are a mixed cropping and livestock production farm. So basically we grow sheep for meat. We do have wool, but we don't have wool-producing sheep. We grow wheat, barley, canola, lupins and oats. But in the recent years we've moved away from things that um, seem to get frosted. So we are affected by frost most years, some years not so badly, some years we lose up to 40 or 50 percent of our crop from frost. Some years we don't get frost at all, they're the good years. So we've moved away from growing wheat, we grow more barley and oats at the moment and have a rotation of fodder as such. So we grow things like pasture crops to help our crops as well and sheep are basically we run crossbreds for lamb as I said and we're trying desperately to infiltrate shedders which shed sheep into our flock so that shearing's not such a big issue for us shearers are hard to come by at times so
0: yeah and I think they're getting fewer and fewer aren't they like those teams of the shears are just sort of dissolving which is really sad because they were so vibrant in everyone's area for that shearing especially when a lot of the properties were just sheep. Definitely.
1: It is harder to come by shearing teams every year. So yeah, now we we are looking at the next stage in share a sheep, I guess, the new technology.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so are the kids interested in coming back to the property? You know, have you encouraged that? Where is their moral compass pointing them? Yeah.
1: Well, some people say it's child abuse if you let your kids go back to the farm, but I don't know whether you have a choice. I think they either love it or they don't. All of our kids are involved. They all want to be involved. I guess for Nick, our eldest, his schooling got in the way of his farming career. It was hard work getting him on a bus every day. If we were planting a crop, if it was harvest, he would try and cut a deal with me why he couldn't stay on the farm and help dad instead of getting on the bus. And he's very, very keen. And the other three are all interested. Zach, the second child, he's in Perth working at the moment, but he is definitely showing an interest in coming back. So I guess for us, it's obviously been quite an early stage that Nick was interested in the farm. So we have obviously taken an interest in making sure that there is a farm for him to come back to, if he wants to be a farm, to have what we have, but to also be able to continue going forward and a productive farm. 15 years ago when we did get frosted quite badly was about then we sort of looked at changing farming processes and farming ways and initially it was just to reduce risk and to ensure that we had a farm to hand on to our kids so it was reduced the risk from frost and and drought which every farming family knows drought and the seasons affect you so much. So, yeah, we've changed practices and we've jumped into a space that we didn't realise would lead us into low emissions and carbon space just by changing practices all those years ago. And occasionally we are called regenerative farmers, but that's a really broad and loose term to use. I think we're certainly here for the long haul, for the sustainability of it. It's more about looking after the soil and looking after our farm and the ecosystem and our farming business to hand on to our kids. So that's where we are in our farming
0: space. Yeah. That must be a huge accomplishment, Gab, to know that your kids want to come home because I think a lot of people have that shield of telling the kids don't come home. Because for whatever reason, it's been hard or they, they haven't, maybe they realise they haven't made headway or whatever. But that must be a huge compliment to you and Brendan to know that you've created a space for your children, that they want to be around you guys and they love it.
1: Even Harvest last year, we had every child on a machine driving, <laughs> either a truck or a chaser bin or unloading. It was a good feeling to actually have all the kids helping and even Sienna at 13. Last year was her first year driving the chaser bin and she had to do a solo run after about three hours of learning how to drive a chaser bin. She stepped up to the mark and off she went. So it is, it's nice when you go out to the paddock and the two-way conversation sometimes (laughs) with four children in the paddock is not ideal though. And sometimes when they come home in the evenings or late, it is a bit of a debrief because he did this and he did that and she shouldn't have been there. And it's always a matter of just listening. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yeah. At our place, we were on the same channel as well. And you try very hard to filter what you say to the other half a lot of the times. Yes, I get it. (laughs) What's been one thing that you've learned to love about the rural industry that you may have not loved when you first sort of stepped into the rural lifestyle?
1: When I first came, obviously, Brendan and I had quite traditional roles. He was on the farm. And we had three kids quite young or quite close together. So I was home a lot with them or in the yards with them. Or I would take them, but I was home more than I am now. And it was a more of a supportive role. It's only been over the last sort of 20 years or so that I've seen that the ag industry is a vast and diverse industry. As a farmer, you're you're collapsed as a prime producer, but the ag industry involves so many other fields from sheep export to chemicals to fertilisers to trucking and there is so many avenues to get involved in the ag industry not just being a farmer and living on the land and producing the grain there is so much more to it and I guess I never knew the other side until you're experiencing it through living
0: on a farm stick with us we'll be back after the break ICPA is an educational voice for rural and remote families and their students. They are committed to ensuring equitable access to education, opportunities and support for every step of a student's learning journey from early childhood through to tertiary, trade or training. Membership is for all families and interested parties. Whether they live in a rural or remote town, on a property, are itinerant workers, or simply have a connection to rural and remote education issues, which the ICPA advocate for. If you want your voice for your children, join a branch near you. With 45 branches, you're sure to be able to reach out and connect. Membership is easy to get. Head to www.icpa.com.au to join today. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me a little bit more about your community. You spoke briefly about it at the beginning that, you know, the community is very vibrant and was very welcoming. But what do you love about it? And is there a favourite event during the year that you really like to pencil in? Yeah. So when I first
1: came to Coolin, the pub was the place to be. That was where we went out. That was the only place to go in town. So we would head to the pub for a Friday night after free training and eventually it moved on. There was parties and things to attend socially but it was just a natural progression, I guess. You get what you give. If you give a fair bit to your community, you get that in return. When I first started coming here, Coolin had a event called the Coolin Bush Races. The first year or two we were involved very, very lightly, just with the footy club, serving at the bar, and eventually that has become a bit more of a larger role from both of us. The Cooling Bush Races is now; it's been running for more than twenty-five years, and it's the first weekend in October, so it's a big event now. We cap the numbers at three thousand, so it's a very sought-after event. It starts Friday about three o'clock, bar opens, and I find myself a bar manager now, and It is not something that I thought I would be. So basically the week before, it's really about our community. We're out at the, the track, as we call it, and we're out there. It's good. You get to catch up with people that you might only see a few times a year from your community, and everyone comes together to build it and to get the kitchen ready, the bar ready, the grounds ready, toilets, everything's ready, the track ready people can arrive at the race course from Wednesday. The bar opens three o'clock Friday and closes Saturday night at one o'clock. So yes, it's, it's a very big event for us as a family and as a community. And we are very involved in it. Yeah. Sounds like a fantastic event.
0: It is, it is a good weekend.
1: It is a great time and it's a really good time for community as well. It's, at the end of it, we have a wind-up, a community wind-up, and it's a good feeling. It's a feeling that some people would never experience until you're involved in something as
0: big as that. Yeah, that's one thing that country people and communities have going for them because you would not get that in the city. Everyone bands together, they drop everything and they head to an event and they, they make it worthwhile for everyone. It's so great to see. What's something that you're most proud of, Gabriel? Like look back on what you've accomplished so far and what's something you're really proud of?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I guess there's lots of moments that I'm proud of or lots of things that I've accomplished, but we live 35 k from town. I live 50 k from the hospital that I work at and we have lots of little side businesses that Brennan and I have. I guess just maintaining all of that as well as, Yeah, and feeling like I achieve in those things. I still work as a nurse, which I'd hate to go back to working in a a city hospital now. I really feel that I really embraced rural nursing and I work in my community. So I wouldn't really want to go back to working in a city hospital. I don't know, just maintaining a farming business and my own career and raising four kids. It's just a process. And I guess one day at a time. And one day leads into a week and it just keeps going. So I guess also supporting Brennan in that decision to change his farming practices. And that's a really hard thing to do as a farmer, to think outside the box and decide to do something different. It's an industry that is certainly ingrained and hard to change, especially when it's a family farm that's handed down from generations. And we've always done it this way. That's why we do it or those sorts of things. But yeah, our grain actually is certified sustainable, which that's been a long process in itself. So certified sustainable is an ACCC sustainability certification. And yes, yeah, so and now we produce barley that is certified sustainable. So looking forward into that, carbon space, low emissions, grain, that's what it entails. And it's a long process and it's a process where some of your peers don't, they're not supportive. I I wouldn't say they don't believe in it. They just don't understand the need to be in that space. Mm. So yeah, I guess that's where we've gone and that's where Tolga Farm is heading and we will continue to go down that path. Yeah.
0: And I love that you guys have done that. And that's my next question, you know, for the future, where, where would you guys like to be in 10 years time? But I really want to acknowledge you guys for changing your practices. You know, I think the talk about carbon and the environmental pressure, I suppose, farmers, like they should be doing or shouldn't be doing is really big so that's a huge um, accomplishment and you guys should be really proud of that it's yeah really impressive and that's one thing I loved about your Instagram page too you put it all out there for people to see and I think we need to see it but yeah looking into the future have you got future plans do you have some goals set you know 10-15 year plan set aside for um Tolga?
1: We do obviously we will constantly be looking at farm succession and where we were heading with that that also means our own children and who wants to come home and who wants to run it our kids are all on the same page I guess they've grown up with knowing that change in practice mm. I feel a little bit sorry for Nick at times when he is trying to explain that process to his farming friends the same age as him it's a little bit harder when you get older you you don't seem to be as concerned about what other people think as you are maybe when you were younger. But, yeah, no, we do have some plans. We have a project that is coming up. Hopefully will be at the end of this year. It will come off. And that just involves our certified sustainable barley Yeah, we're involved in DPERP, Department of Primary Resources, are doing a case study on Farm, and they want to use the results from this to put into mainstream practice changes. So that's opening our books to them. That's opening our fertiliser history, our chemical history, our sheep production. So it's a fairly involved process and it means that they come and see us every couple of months. And, yeah, so that case study hopefully will be out sometime towards the end of this year. It is definitely a long process.
0: So that will be good. But you're definitely not slowing down, that's for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I guess not. I guess not. I don't think you think about it. Once you start on that path, you just keep going and the next thing happens and you just
0: keep going. Yeah. And can you share the best advice you've ever received especially living on the land, or even advice that you would like to give someone who might be tuning into the episode and a bit hesitant about something?
1: Yeah, I guess. I have received a lot of advice over the years. but Raising children, I can remember thinking sometimes it was really hard and there's a lady in town who said, just remember it's just a phase. And I thought at the time it didn't really make sense, but in hindsight, yes, it does. And I guess having older children now, I don't want to make any comment about anyone's child anymore until your child is over that age. It'll come back to bite you. (laughs) (laughs) And farm-wise or or coming into a community, I guess just being adaptable and just getting involved. It's hard to become involved in some communities, but I was Mm. very lucky. and was very welcoming.
0: Mm. And my last question, Gabrielle, before I asked you about Instagram, which is where I discovered you, is What's something you hope changes for the rural industry in Western Australia?:
1: Oh. So WA is probably it's a lot smaller than other communities over East. Even in the Kimberleys, it's a very small rural community up there. Everybody knows everybody, the stations all know each other and who's on and who's been where. But definitely, it's a hard process. WA.'s communities are smaller, and they are getting smaller. And that's really hard for younger people that want to come back to the farm if they've got no friends or if they've got limited peers. So, yeah, as farms get bigger, there is less families here. So I guess, yeah, I guess having communities that have industries that can keep people in them instead of that are involved in
0: the ag industry and not necessarily farming ways. Yeah, bring more people back to the land, I say. It's fantastic life and we're so lucky, so, so lucky. My last one is Instagram's where I found you guys and I love what you guys are doing. Everyone needs to go out and check it out. But where can we find you and what are some accounts that you like to follow? Yeah, so it's Tolga Farm. We're on Facebook as well.
1: So over the years, we've also employed Backpackers. So that's One of the reasons why I started it, I'd get a lot of backpackers contacting us at Christmas time and during the year saying, what's happening on the farm? Send us some photos, show us what's going on. And it was one of those things that the kids and Brendan said, mum, you should put your photos on Instagram. So it kind of evolved. I didn't really have a plan of attack when it first started, but after putting up a few posts and going from there, It involves basically saying what we do and where we are and who we are and a few photos of the landscape, which I just love and I love taking photos of them, yeah. A few accounts that I like following, from jewellers, from great jewellery to the royals to obviously all the station stuff and I think that's just from growing up across the road from the rodeo in Derby and I follow a lot of farming stuff obviously just to keep in the know some restoring furniture things it was a really really vast range of I also follow some American people especially Montana with their ranches I love the ranching I just love to see what they do differently but when you look at their pages and their, their feed and things I think worldwide ag
0: is very similar there's you either love it and you share it so yeah yeah and I'll make sure that we pop the Tolga Instagram account in the show notes for people to follow I just want to say thank you so much Gabrielle I'm just so Mm -hmm. thrilled that we got to chat and I'm so grateful for you sharing your story really excited for what you guys have ahead it's a huge accomplishment and I'm just so thrilled that you could join me today and all the best for the future and whatever you guys have around the corner
1: oh thanks Angie I enjoy your podcast I listen to that I have many hours in the car traveling to and from Perth and to work so thank you keep up your good work
0: thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast if you're looking to advertise or partner with Married to the Land then I suggest you send me an email or head to the website marriedtotheland.com.au I would love it if you could leave a review, like or share this podcast amongst friends or family. It only takes a few moments and it makes podcasts like this more discoverable for other people.